It is a very Merry Christmas here. Uh, December 25th lands on a Sunday, so that's exciting. Thank you for choosing to come today and, and to worship. I think there's a lot of choices we have in life, and just to be here today on the day we celebrate the birth of Christ, I think is a blessing to God. I think He uh, uh, receives that worship from you. So the day we celebrate God becoming man, actually a baby, right? Born of the Virgin Mary, God took on flesh. The second member of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, left the, the splendor of heaven and exchanged the glory that he had as the second member of the Trinity in the splendor of heaven with the humiliation of taking on human flesh. What child is this? And what is the meaning of Jesus coming to earth? Well, the, and the angels announced that very meaning in Luke chapter 2, 8 through 14. We've already heard uh, these scriptures read once this morning. I want to read again just to begin. Luke chapter 2, 8 through 14. I'm going to read, read from the New King James Version this morning. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger." And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Father, thank you for this opportunity that you've given us this morning to come and to worship you on the day that we celebrate your birth. Thank you for those that have come. Thank you for all the visitors this morning. Thank you for... Uh, the love that you have for us. This is the day that we celebrate you rescuing us as we lie in darkness. Thank you for bringing the light and showing us what it means to have eternal life. I pray today, Lord, that all of our hearts would rejoice, would be drawn to you, drawn to worship, and we'd understand the real meaning of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. We ask you for your help, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's so much packed into that uh, passage this morning in Luke chapter 2 that, that could be said, but on this Christmas morning, can we just take a few moments to reflect on what Jesus coming to earth means for the world and what it means for us personally? As you saw in that scriptures, when the angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. I'm guessing the them is the shepherds and the sheep, I guess, and the angel. Uh, but it was so sudden, it was so spectacular, the shepherds were terrified. And actually, anytime you see an angel appearing in the Bible, they're terrified. They were scared bad. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit. However, the angel told them, do not fear. Because the news came 
that they were to announce was, was good news for all the people of the world. From the greatest to the least, it didn't matter who you were, this message of good news was for all the people. Now, the way God chose to announce the, the best, this good news, the best news the world's ever heard, seems a little odd when you first read it, doesn't it? I mean, announcing the greatest news ever told to a few shepherds living out in the fields in the middle of the night. You'd think if we were in charge of the promotional campaign for the announcement of the birth of Jesus, uh, with such great news, we might have thought of something a little better, right? Maybe a mass email, Facebook post, you know, if you share this, you'll be blessed. Anyway, uh, <laughs> group text? No, definitely not group text. But God could have chosen any other way to announce the birth of his son, Jesus, right? He could have went to, to the king and announced it from the top, some political figure that had great influence. And man, that word would have spread a lot quicker, right? Had God chose to announce the birth of Jesus that way. But that's just the God that we have, isn't it? That's just the God we have, a creator God who exists in absolute splendor and majesty in heaven. He dispatched his messenger, the angel of the Lord, to go to the least trusted member of society in that day, shepherds. Shepherds were looked down on in Jesus' day. Their, their work made them ceremonial unclean, ceremonially unclean, and they had a reputation for being untrustworthy. Sounds like a politician? No, I'm kidding. Uh, but that's who God chose to announce the birth of His Son to first. The lowly outcast of society. Think about that for a moment. It's humbling, isn't it, to consider that? I think it demonstrates the character of God in coming to the lowliest of men, shepherds. Because God is a God who's concerned with the soul of all people. God is not a respecter of persons. Because everyone's created in the image of God. I believe God had a, a, has a special place in his heart, actually, for the lowly, for the humble, for the outcast, the ostracized. So the angel announced the good news that will cause great joy for all people everywhere. A Savior was born that day in the city of David, this little town of Bethlehem. Again, not the booming city of Jerusalem, bustling with people where throngs were coming, you know, or lived, but the little town of Bethlehem. And then the angel said, here's a sign that will alert you to who the Savior is, the Messiah, the Lord. He will be wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Some translations read swaddling clothes, and I think an even better translation I like is uh, swaddling cloths. Actually, the New Living Translation reads this way. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. I like that. I'm a snuggler. But Thomas Constable tells us that that term swaddling clothes translates the Greek word spargano, meaning to swathe or to wrap. And interestingly, the Jews also wrapped their dead in strips of cloth, just as they did their infants. Thus, a birth was a reminder of the death that would inevitably follow one day. Jesus, the sinless, humble, the sinless Son of God, humbled himself 
in the absolute greatest way imaginable by announcing the greatest news ever received to lowly shepherds in a field about a child born in a, in a modest town in a, in a smelly stable laid in an animal feeding trough wrapped in strips of cloth that were also used to wrap the dead to save the world that long laid in sin and darkness. What a story. Jesus, the light of the world, was born to die to redeem the world from the consequences of their sin. That's the message of Christmas. I think if you could uh, wrap it up, the, the character of God in one word to best describe the act of God in coming to earth to die for a sinful people like us, I think that word that I would choose is love. Greater love has no man than this. It's the greatest demonstration of love. The Bible tells us that in 1 John, the Gospel of John, and, and in 1 John. 1 John 4.10 says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And then John 3.16, you know this, it's a different translation, but it says, for this is how God loved the world. This is how He loved the world. This is how God showed that He loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Amen? Do you still get excited about John 3.16? So it's both God's will and His desire to save the entire world from eternal death and give them eternal life as a free gift. Wow. What a gift. That is what caused an army of angels to burst out into heavenly praise of God was they said there in the last part, verse 14, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. Jesus, by his life and death on the cross, will glorify the attributes of God as they've never were glorified before. God's love was on display in the announcement. God's love was on the display in the birth of Jesus, in his death, in, in his resurrection, and it will be in his coming again. But you know, not everyone breaks out in a song when they hear about the love of God at Christmas, do they? You see, the angels were heaven's messengers. And their existence was really for the purpose of bringing glory to God in, in the highest. And they brought glory to God in heaven continually. But they also announced the offer of peace on earth. Again, it's an offer of peace on earth. So if Jesus came to bring peace on earth, how do we then reconcile the events that followed the birth of Jesus Christ, right? Because the next thing to happen is Joseph and Mary were warned in a dream to run for their life because the king was going to come to kill your baby. And then Herod, when he heard about the, the birth of Jesus, the, the Messiah, the king, as they were saying, who would bring peace on earth, he made a proclamation that every child under the age of two would be tracked down and slaughtered. Doesn't sound like a whole lot of peace on earth, does it? Doesn't look like there's been a whole lot of peace on earth ever since then either, if we're honest. What did God mean that Jesus would bring peace on earth? The word actually is, literally pictures the 
binding or joining together again of that which has been separated or divided. And as an alternative uh, definition, I like this, freedom from worry. Think about that. God, in taking on the form of man in the baby Jesus as a gift, is offering to the world to restore the broken relationship that they have with him. Because all men stand condemned. All men, all women, all, all mankind everywhere stand separated, divided from their God, their creator. And he's offering to reconcile them to himself. The peace that Jesus brings is peace with God. It's never having to worry about where you stand with God. Isn't that a gift? And we have to understand that the only lasting peace that any of us will ever find on this planet is peace with God. Because we've had conflict since the beginning of time, haven't we? Man has been in conflict since the beginning. We live in constant conflict in the world. The world's going to end with a great conflict. So conflict and division are just part of living in a sinful world with sinful people. Conflict is, is part of living with a spouse who's sinful. Conflict is part of living with children who are sinful. Kids, conflict is part of living with your parents who are sinful. We should bring the kids back in for that one. Just They're just an inevitable part of, of every realm of life, isn't it? Conflict, division, strife, turmoil, unrest, constantly. It's unavoidable in every realm of life except with God. Only God offers eternal peace in our, our spiritual conflict with Him. So if anyone looks at Jesus and His offer of peace on earth and thinks to themselves, well, if then if I have Jesus, He's going to give me peace in all my relationships, all my circumstances, I'm going to have this, you know, peace in every realm of my life, and I think we've misunderstood what Jesus meant when he said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. The peace on earth that God's offering is not as the world gives peace, Jesus said. Oftentimes the world pursues peace by sweeping things under the rug, right? Or let's just run from the problem, and then I'll have peace. Or let's, let's just be a, re, a recluse and just, you know, barricade ourselves and, and surround our, uh, insulate ourselves from the world. Or turn a blind eye to the problems or whatever solution we try to find peace. That's the way the world tries to find peace. And they hope that the turmoil, the unrest will just go away. Or maybe we try to medicate it or add things into our life that bring peace. And it's never lasting. And it doesn't work with God either because the separation that we have with God goes well beyond the surface to our very nature. We have an inherent sin problem that has no human solution. It's a conflict that no amount of ignoring or running or whatever will ever resolve. Making up for our bad works, sometimes we try that. Going to church on Christmas. 
But that's why God, in His great love, knew us, knew our condition, knew how helpless we were without Him stepping in, and He sent us the only lasting eternal solution to resolve the eternal conflict that we have with Him, His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. So the offer is still on the table today. I think the reason that a lot of people have not found this peace could be that they haven't really deeply, personally considered and understood the offer. Is that possible? I mean, after all the amount of times that people have been to church, all the amount of times that they've listened to podcasts or sermons online or read books, it's amazing to me that people have still not heard God's offer of salvation in Jesus Christ by grace alone. My wife and I uh, met the young couple a few weeks ago and doing a little premarital counseling with them. And uh, we had just met them. And so the first, the whole time that we spent together, we really just got to know them, but we shared the gospel. We said, hey, you know, have you ever heard about the love of God for you? And what he's done for you in Jesus. And we explain that God in his love sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross. He was sinless, perfect. And there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. You can't turn over a new leaf. You can't, uh, you know, straighten up your life. You can't, you can't do anything to add to what God's already done. And if you just believe in Jesus, his death and resurrection, you will have eternal life. All your sins are forgiven simply by believing. You know what they said to us? As I listened intently, we have never heard it explained like that. And these are from traditional, somewhat conservative churches. The message they had been hearing all their life is, you need to live your life right. You got to quit doing this and you got to do this more. And so they were always in this state of guilt and unrest and uncertainty of where they stood with God, which makes sense. Is God happy with me? Is He mad at me? I'm not living as I should. I know I should do better, but I'm not. And so that's the gospel that they heard. Start living for God. Well, it's kind of hard to live for God when you don't know God. the gospel. My wife and I uh, also this week went and saw the movie, I Heard the Bells. Are you familiar with the song, Christmas Bells? I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Casting Crowns does a rendition of it that's absolutely beautiful. I encourage you when you leave here, um, put it on the radio, uh, on your phone, listen to it. So we went and saw, I Heard the Bells. It's the story of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, a man who came to be known as America's poet. He lived from 1807 to 1882. He may be best known for his poems on slavery, Paul Revere's ride, and most notable maybe the Christmas bells. And the chorus goes like this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. The movie's about his life and the story behind that famous Christmas poem, Christmas Bells. 
But Longfellow lived in a time of national division. He lived during the Civil War. And he also lived during a time of great personal loss to himself and his family. They suffered a lot of tragedies in life. Actually, Longfellow lost his first wife, wife as they traveled, and she was six months pregnant, and she died. He was remarried a little later to Fanny Appleton, and they had six children, though they lost one of their children as an infant. A lot of suffering. And then in July of 1861, his beloved wife of 18 years, Fanny, whom he affectionately called his poetry, and she called him her poet. She died from her injuries when her dress caught on fire in their home. Longfellow tried to save her, but his own burns were so severe that he was unable to even attend his own wife's funeral. He stopped shaving on account of the burns, growing a beard that would become associated with his image. At times he feared he would be sent to an asylum on account of his grief. That's how deep his grief ran. America's poet, who once inspired a nation with his God-given gift of writing, was no longer writing. He had been silenced by his grief. So as he looked around at his country in conflict, he looked at the great tragedy in his own life and the suffering that he endured, he struggled in his faith. It's understandable. Particularly at Christmas time. And he thought to himself, where is God? God, if he's not dead, he must be sleeping. Because there sure doesn't seem to be peace on earth, does there? Then on 18, uh, December 1st, 1863, Longfellow was having dinner with his family when he received a war telegram stating his son Charlie had been severely wounded in battle. Spurgeon warned Henry that his son could face uh, surgeons, excuse me, I don't think Spurgeon was there. <laughs> but the surgeons warned him that your, fa your son could face lifelong paralysis. And that only exasperated Longfellow's despair and further caused him to question God and his faith. Then on Friday, December 25th, 1863, Longfellow, as a 57-year-old widowed father of six children, the oldest of which had been nearly paralyzed as his country fought a war against itself, wrote a poem seeking to capture the conflict that he sensed in his own heart and in the world that he observed around him on Christmas Day. He heard the Christmas bells ringing in Cambridge and singing the singing of peace on earth, but he observed the world of injustice and violence that seemed to mock the truthfulness of that optimistic outlook. I think that's seen in particular in the last line of the poem, the last lines he wrote this, and in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. You ever feel that way sometimes? Oh, but the good news is the light of Jesus finally broke through to Longfellow's heart. And as he heard the bells on Christmas Day that year, it reminded him of the message of Christmas that rang out from the bell tower. It was Jesus coming to earth to die for the sons of the world, to bring peace, 
And Longfellow's heart was open again. The truth of Christmas restored his heart finally after years. And his poem concludes with this. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth. Goodwill to men. Amen? Isn't that great? You know, I think there's a, a theme throughout the poem as you listen to that. That's particularly important, I feel. And it's the theme of listening. I heard the bells. You see, he'd heard the bells for years prior to that. But he didn't hear them, if you know what I mean. He stopped listening, I think, because his grief spoke way louder than the message of Christmas. But when he opened his eyes of faith, when he, when he listened from the heart, he heard the bells again. And I think therein lies the solution to our lack of peace. We have to hear the bells. We have to listen to the message of Jesus from the heart who gives peace on earth and His goodwill toward men who respond in faith. What do you hear when you listen to the message of Christmas? Do you hear a message of a man who came to earth to, to improve your life? That's a message that's common. Do you hear a message of a man who came to give his life uh, so that uh, you'll give yours in return, and it's like an exchange? Jesus' life for mine, if I live for him, you know, he died for me, that will get me to heaven. Maybe that's the message. Maybe it's God came to earth to fix all my problems, to fix my marriage, my finances. There's a lot of different things that people think about when they think of Jesus at Christmas time. But that's the most important message to hear today is that when you look at Jesus, we have this lovely little manger here. I built, I built this. I didn't. I'm just kidding. Looks like Buddy the Elf did. But When you see the manger and you think of Jesus, what do you think of? If we think of anything other than a baby that was born, sorry, anything other than Jesus came to die, to take our sin in his body and be nailed to a cross, to wear uh, the crown of thorns on his head. to bleed the blood of God, the only remedy to cleanse sin forever. This is the message of Christmas. The gift of Jesus, the offer of peace, is ours for the taking. Is that how you understand Christmas? Is that how you understand Jesus? That's where it has to begin. Jesus, the Savior of the world, can bring peace with God. You can remove the strife, remove the, the enmity, the division that exists between God and man when you by faith believe in what Jesus did to reconcile the world to himself. Have you believed in Jesus? If not, today's a great day to do it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved from your sins. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this amazing message. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's so amazing, but yet we've heard it so often that I think it loses its, its luster sometimes. It becomes commonplace. God, forgive us. Forgive us for taking uh, lightly your act of grand humiliation and leaving the glory of heaven to be born in a manger, to live among sinful men, to endure the hostility, the suffering, the beatings, the scourging, the crown of thorns, the nails, the cross for me. It was for my sin that you came and gave your life. It was for all the sins of the world, every person. And my prayer today is that there, if there are any today that have not understood and personally contemplated Jesus' death for them, may today be the day that they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved. Thank you for the peace we have with you, God. Though the world is in constant turmoil, though our lives sometimes are filled with conflict and unrest, we know without a doubt today that we have peace with you because of Jesus, the greatest gift we'll ever receive. Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself. We pray in your matchless name. Amen.